All right, we're rolling. All right. So today I have Yi Fang with me, who <laughs> he's already laughing. <laughs> Yi is about the nicest person and most community-oriented uh, person I know in the cycling community. Um, how is Yi extraordinary? Uh, you never want to go on a group ride with this guy. I don't even have to have ever been on a group ride know it, to know that you don't want to be on a group ride with Yi because everyone on Strava is going to say, oh, Yi killed me, yes. Yi crushed us, Yi left a mass graveyard behind us. <laughs> um, Yi is your cat one, two. two. Yeah. You're aspiring to be cat one, though, aspiring, right? Aspiring, we're probably cat two forever. No, I don't think so. <laughs> probably like cat one next year. <laughs> um, he's very well known on the local racing, and it's just, it gives 100% every time he goes out. Uh, this last month, he biked over 2,000 miles. That's crazy. He has a full-time job. <laughs> he's happily married. He has two fairly young children, and... Hi. Yeah, there's one of them. <laughs> Hi, Ellie. <laughs> and um, Steve's happy and has a great life. So we want to talk to him today and hear about how he does it and like just how you'll find out how extraordinary he is very quickly. <laughs> okay, so how and why did you get into cycling? So I used to run. I grew up running. Uh, I'd always wanted to ride a bike, but it was too expensive. And so I was like... Why am I going to ride a bike if I could buy a pair of shoes for 70, 100 bucks and do that and stay fit? And so uh, I grew up running. I actually started sprinting when I was young and loved sprinting. And then in elementary school, I raced against a kid named Eric Salcedo, and he beat me like no other. And I was like, huh, I guess sprinting's not going to work. And so my buddy said, you should try distance running because you can turn fast switch muscles into slow twitch muscles or function the same way. And so then I started got into distance. And so from middle school on, I did like 800 meters in the mile in track and then cross country. And so um, just loved running, loved the exploratory side of it, loved the aspect of like getting to know your neighborhood, seeing different places, like just running all over. And uh, I was never like the top runner, but I was, I was okay. And so um, I had a buddy in uh, in church who wanted me to ride bikes, and again, it was like too expensive. So I ran through high school, ran a couple marathons, and always thought like, oh, I need to get into cycling so I can do a triathlon. But again, I did the running and the swimming, never got around to the bike. <laughs> and so ran a little bit through college, and then got to career, and kept running, but once we had kids, then it was a lot. Uh, I'd run a lot less because I'd go to work, come home, play with the kids, put them down, and then go for a run, and then come back at like 10-something. So only like a 10 or 15-mile run then. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then go to bed, do it again. And so it just got unsustainable. And so my low point was uh, I drove home from work, and it it took me 90 minutes to get home from Bellevue to Seattle. And this was about five years into work. And so my CEO had been trying to get me to get a bike for that entire time. I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And so I was out of shape. I was like 185 pounds, the heaviest I'd ever been, um, sitting there watching like bikes whiz by on 90. And so I was like, I could be doing something right now versus just sitting here in traffic. And so I emailed 
I emailed my CEO and I said, okay, just tell me what to get and I'm going to get it tomorrow. So he told me to get a specialized delay and then just like a couple shoes and kit and all that kind of stuff. So I got that, rode out to West Seattle the next day for the first time. I think it was like 11 miles or something. Totally and, uh, killed you. Decimated me. I was done. <laughs> and so I still remember like, oh, my butt hurts. I don't like hills. This is terrible. And so my CEO said, well, now that you've got a bike, you're going to ride the obliteride with me. And I said, okay, as long as you do a triathlon with me. He said, okay. So I started training for the obliteride. It was like the 50-mile ride, which would have been the longest ride I'd done. And the first year of the obliteride was uh, there were tons of hills in it. For a charity ride, my CEO was saying, like, this is crazy. And so we did, uh, I'm trying to remember which ones there were. I think it was like Cemetery Hill out in Kirkland. (laughs) bury you uh, all yeah yeah and, and and more and i still remember this lady riding like a hoopty bike up one of the climbs and i just felt terrible for her but during that ride was the first time i was like oh i can actually climb okay and so from that point on then i started climbing more i'm like oh when i climb more i can actually climb better and then just it evolved from that so then i started about thinking about commuting yeah. and all that so very long answer to a short question was just getting in shape, incorporating it into part of my life. And then from then on, it's just went crazy. So how'd you make the jump from being this like, you know, commuter, you know, whizzing by the cars on 90 then to racing? So uh, the festive 500 thing that Rafa and Strava do, the first year I rode was 2013. And so I had a photographer buddy, um, Jeremy Shoda, who got me into longer rides. So I ride with him and he said, hey, we should do this Festive 500 thing. So I said, okay. So the first day we rode, we did 70 miles, which is the longest I'd done to that point. And during that ride, he was saying, hey, we should look into racing. I was like, okay, let's do that. So I still remember coming back and looking at the Audi cycling team page and like, man, that would be amazing, but that's never gonna happen. And, uh, and just looked into races and they were, the first one was until March. Yeah. And so it was kind of deferred. And so we finished the Festive 500. That was the biggest thing I'd ever done at that point. Rode a little bit more in the beginning of the year. And then I said, okay, I'm going to sign up for a race. I signed up for Mason Lake. Um, and then I told Jeremy, and he's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I went and raced and uh, forgot where the finish line was. No. And I, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if I knew we were in the last lap or not. But anyway, it's like first race craziness. And so didn't really sprint and finished ninth. And I was like, oh, this is decent. This is fun. Um, And so from then on, just kept going to races. And then uh, mid-season, which I think it was like, I have the date, but I forgot. I think it's April or May or maybe June. Um, One of those. (laughs) But I started getting to know the racers. And I always saw the Audi guys in the front. I'm like, ooh, I want to be on that team. And so I started reaching out to people, trying to figure out who was on this team that I could talk to there's a guy named Aaron Pass and he chatted with me we went for a ride and like destroyed me I was like oh that's another deal yeah and uh and then uh, my buddy now Sundang yeah. he reached out to me we had coffee and then um got me on the team I got kit and it was just start racing from there so, so you never looked at another team you just had never looked at another team. Audi in your eyes from the start and you're yeah. like if I'm gonna join a race team that's the one <laughs> yeah I I never looked at another team at that point so 
I would say at our local race team, Audi is very good and they're very well known and they usually do win. It's like you guys versus Metier and yeah, Fount and uh, Este yeah. and Liquid Velo. There's there's a lot. Of there's good a teams. lot of good teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more about the people than the right. team. But right. Audi's like a better team, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I'd say we're competitive. Yeah. yeah. So when was the first race you won? First race was uh, Ravensdale, which they don't do anymore. Okay. And so um, I was supposed to lead out my buddy, Jed Stremmel. And so the finish was this long, uh, kind of a false flat from what I remember. Uh-huh. And so it was there were three of us. And so I was trying to lead out Jed and I was going. And then I looked back and I think there was a gap. I'm, kind of cloudy now but I think there was a gap in it and he yelled at me just go 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 and so I just I was like dead yeah but I just put my head down and just kept going kept going I'm like this they're gonna come around at any point or this guy's gonna come around at any point and it didn't happen and so it was just shock the first time I won yeah and uh yeah so that was the first one and you were hooked right yeah well I was already <laughs> hooked before but I I never expected like I would ever win I was just like this is cool it's competitive and but these guys are crazy, so. What goes through your head when you're in those sprints? Hmm. It's kind of evolved, I would say, because okay. before it was like, I, I, I'm trying to think of earlier races, but I don't think I was ever sprinting for the win. Yeah. So it was just like, sprint as hard as you can. And then uh, the first season, I remember Sun orchestrated a lead out at... I think it was also Mason Lake. Okay. And so that was the first time, like, oh, they're going to help me. And then, oh, there's a difference with a lead out. Um, and I, I think it was, I think there were already two people off in the break, and I ended up third because I won the bunch sprint. Um, so, but it was just, like, sprint as hard as you can and hope you make it before everybody else. <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. Throw it all down. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I was trying to think, do I ever think about safety? Um, I don't think I do because I think I I always try and just be safe anyway yeah and so if it's like a risk of like I need to squeeze into a spot or do something crazy to get there I'm not it's not worth it for me you let it go yeah yeah. Yeah. and you've consciously made that choice before right yeah yeah I totally black out all of my sprints. Oh, really? I don't remember any of them. I can't really? tell you what happens. I never know how I finish until someone tells me afterwards. Wow. I, for 30 seconds or whatever, have no recollection of what happened. Wow. Yeah. Do you, like, when you're doing it, too? Or even like, or after? Um, yeah, after that. Okay, after, obviously, like, you can't remember. Like, usually what happens is I remember a thousand meters out, like, yeah. when they give you that warning. Yeah. That's the last memory I have. And then I, like, come to sometime when we're, like, slow pedaling afterwards. <laughs> no yeah, I have no idea what happens. Wow. Like, yeah. And so I'm always curious, like, when you're, like, putting down that much energy and, yeah. like, effort, like, yeah. are you consciously, like, I need to give 10% more or... I, actually, for a sprint, I think the thing I've, I've learned now is to be patient. Yeah. And so what I would do before is just jump way too soon and then blow yeah. up. So uh, my first race with Audi was um, Olympic View Road Race. Okay. And that one, you come down uh, descent, and then you have a finish. And it's kind of a false flat, but it, it's also into a stiff headwind, at least the times that we've been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I came down the descent first. And then I think I 
I don't think anybody was there. I think I went for a while, and then I felt the swarm for the first time. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, interesting. You were doomed. You <laughs> yeah, had to sprint alone. I was like, yeah. I think I might win my first race as an Audi guy. And then I'm pretty sure, I don't remember what I got, but it was probably like 15th or something. Oh, yeah. Everybody blew by. Oh, yeah. And so um, so from that point on, then I was like, huh, okay, I need to be more patient in the sprint. And so, um, and then it depends on if it's a fault, if it's a flat finish, yeah. obviously headwind. And then if it's an uphill finish too. And so uphill finish, I have to tell myself, I have to constantly tell myself like, be patient, be patient, be patient. Um, cause there's always somebody that's jumping early Yeah. and you want to get on the wheel. Um, but just remembering like people are going to blow up. Yeah. And so just be patient and then go when you, and so I think I've gotten now the, the repetition where I know okay, this is what I can hold. Yeah. And I feel like uphill finishes are better for me because I, because I've, I've done them more, I guess. And so yeah. I, I have a better sense of like, I think I can hold longer than that guy. Yeah. So, yeah. And I like uphill finishes way more because it's less, I think about positioning and it's yeah. more like, do you have it? And are you willing to hurt that bad? Versus like, did I get in the right spot and did I get the right draft and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. It helps but it's a little different. For you, do you think racing is more about strength or intelligence? Uh, huh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> uh, I think the, uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> both. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely both. Yeah. I would say for me, it's probably more intelligence. Yeah. And I'd say I've made a lot more bad decisions than good ones. <laughs> right. Because so, you have race brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I think I'm still learning. Yeah. So that's that's a huge part. Of it. I learn every time I do poorly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this is your fifth year of racing, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's only five years of practice. Yeah. Like, you know, what? Yeah. We always say in data, you need like 55 samples to be good. <laughs> right. So. Right. You're just getting there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So transitioning from that is like, what do you think so far has been your greatest cycling achievement or accomplishment? Yeah. So I thought about that a lot. Uh, and I think um, the greatest achievement was, and it was just based on what do I talk about the most as, as a cycling highlight amongst other people. Yeah. And I would say it was the, I think it's 2016 season. I was a Cat 3. Okay. And we had uh, a bunch of guys going to Seward Park. Okay. And we tried to figure out, well, how are we going to race this? So first race, I went, and uh, uh, I had forgotten the lap count thing. And so <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was, but anyways, I sprinted when there was still a lap to go. Oh, no. And so I was like, oh, oh wait a minute. He's ringing the bell now. And so, um, and then my teammate, Jed, won. And okay. then so from that point on, we said, all right, we're riding for Jed for the season series. And so we totally did. We we let him out for a bunch of races. We would go for breaks, so people would have to chase us down, and and by the you know we'd be blown up. Um, and so we managed as a team just to like dial in that race, 6 p.m. Seward. And so we got the last lap down to a science. It was awesome because uh, one of my teammates, Andy Shari, told us, okay, you need to break the last lap into chunks. Yeah. And you need to figure out, okay, this is my section, this is my section, this is my section. And and you got to just go for it to, one, keep it fast and keep it safe so people can't come around. Yeah. But also, just that's your lead out. And then you can launch Jed from there. So it was like textbook. 
to the point where we were just like, if, if we were where we were supposed to be on the last lap, like it was done. Because Jed is that dominant of a sprinter. Did you guys win every week? We For a while, yeah. Jed won every week for a while. But that was and a so, team effort. Yeah, yeah total like, team effort, for sure. Because we yeah. were like, we're protecting Jed. He's not going to see the win until the end. Um, and I don't, I'm trying to remember. I don't think we he ever was in breaks. He may have been, but it was more us. Yeah. Like, going for breaks just to wear people out. Yeah. And so... Um, so that was definitely, I would say that's the peak cycling highlight because it was a total team effort. We got the goal that we wanted to. And uh, like he was so dominant that year that by, I think we still had a month or two left. He was like, I could not race anymore and still win this series. So then we started being able to um, race for the win and stuff like that. So Sun got a couple wins. I oh, you were generous then. Oh, everyone on the team <laughs> yeah, gets a win now. Right. Hey, Jed, so, you're now the second, you know, yeah. second person up on the, right. the Yee booster. Well, Jed was like, Jed would help with lead outs and stuff like that as well. So he was yeah. like, you know, this is taken care of. I'm going to help you guys out. So it was like the camaraderie and the experience of that was unbelievable. And that's, that's I would say, carried us since. Yeah. And so we've seen success at Pacific Raceways in working together and stuff like that. And so... We haven't raced as much together um, since then. Yeah. I haven't been able to make sewers, so that's part of it. And then now we're all cat twos, and so we're getting blasted at 7 p.m. anyway. So, except Jed. Jed's competitive there. Jed's Sun's, still doing well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sun's has been in the break as well. I've been in the break once, and that was, like, my crowning achievement, and it was, like, a couple weeks ago. I was going to say, that was recent, yeah, too. Yeah, with, like, David Richter and... Wardzik and a bunch of the Keller Rorback guys. I'm like, I don't think I belong here, but I'm gonna stay as long <laughs> as I can. So, yeah. So that was that was definitely a highlight because it was we got the goal we wanted. It was a team effort, um, and it was just so fun because we felt like we could do whatever we wanted, and we did. And so there was one wet race where um, Sun and I were in the break. Yeah. And we already, we already told Jed like we're gonna go for this one. Yeah. And uh, and so. There weren't that many people because it was raining, and so I still remember we were in the group, and then we said, okay, I think it was on a preem or something. It's like we're just gonna go. Yeah. And so, um, so Sun and I went. Yeah. And we ended up lapping the field, just the two of us. Oh my god. And I mean, it was only, <laughs> I, it was probably only like ten people or something, and I think. Jed may have even paid for some people to race to make sure we had enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fun because there was one guy in there that was in the points and yeah. we're like he's not going to know this is coming we're just going to go and so sure enough that lap I think he and Jed were chatting and we just went and it was awesome so anyway stuff like that like we just could do whatever we wanted to this so is so fun. like you in a nutshell you is like your greatest cycling accomplishment was being part of a team and like a team where you didn't win like yeah. I bet like 99 out of 100 cyclists I would I could interview if I asked them what their greatest achievement was it would be something they did that yeah. was like remarkable that they won or whatever with you it's like well I was on this really awesome team <laughs> we all were really like dialed in together and yeah. I helped like lead this team to success like I was an integral part of it yeah and like I, I have to qualify because you gave me the questions ahead of time so I didn't <laughs> think about it so I'll, I'll be honest in saying it wasn't my first instinct but in thinking more about it it was like that's definitely the highlight so I think still 99% I climbed this hill once I did Mount Lemon like yeah like yours is like we dominated yeah, PR as a team 
which is really cool to see. Like, that is, because you need a bunch of selfless people who yeah. are willing to, like, lay it all down, yeah. go to blackout effort yeah. to watch their teammate win. Yeah. So, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So, your next question, then, is, I love this one, too, is who do you admire most in the cycling community and why? So, is is kind of a three-part answer for me. Excellent. <laughs> So first is my CEO, Ken Hart. Okay. Because he's the one that got me into cycling. Yeah. And so uh, I've never been on a ride with Ken where I haven't been just blown away with where we are. Yeah. And so... Um, are you faster than him now? I'm faster than him now. But, oh, but, the, the Padawan. Has... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, however, he knows routes that I'm, I'm sure I've never been on still. Uh-huh. And so... He's the one that first showed me like the farm roads on the east side. Yes. He lives up in Issaquah, and so um, so every time we've been able to ride together, it's been like, wow, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Like I still visually remember rides that we've gone on, and it's been a while since that ride. Yeah. But just like unbelievable sunrise, clouds just perfectly interspersed, like trees, green grass. Uh, yeah. The cows perfectly move. smooth roads. <laughs> yeah. It was. <laughs> And so now, every now and then, we'll go on a ride out there. I'm like, oh, yeah, Ken took me on this. I have no idea how we got here. Yeah. Um, and so, for sure, him, because um, he got me into it and then totally gave me the tips and all that kind of stuff. He was the one that, that uh, told me to climb at a higher cadence, and I, I have ever since. And yeah. so, for the most part, climbing, I'm never out of the saddle. I'm always, like, 100 RPM or more. Um but also, if yeah. I get out of the saddle for some reason, I just it. I think my body like snaps me back down. Yeah, so, just rejects that. Right? Yeah, it's like you're not doing this. You're not built for this. So, so I can only spin for climbing. And so he taught me that as well. Um, so second, I would say is Sun. Okay. Um, and because he, I would say he and I are almost polar opposites in the way we train. Awesome. Because I, I am not. Uh, methodical about my training I just ride and there's some method to the madness like I'll do intervals and but not like rigidly yeah so there's no like five by x or two by whatever or whatever certain wattage none of that it was like oh there's a segment I'm gonna go do that and there's another segment I'm gonna do that or I need to work on something longer so I'll just ride hard for 10 minutes and see what I can do that kind of stuff yeah Um, but again no like rigid stuff where his son is methodical about his training it's almost all it's all on the trainer um oh, it's all intervals it, i would look at his workouts i'm like this thing is a graph it's not a yeah. ride it's a graph um or a chart and a bar chart yeah because it basically just be exactly what the trainer road, road was telling him, was to telling him. And, yeah. but he's competitive and he's he rides i don't know six to ten hours a week yeah and so uh so, so far less than you way less than me yeah and so doesn't really ride outdoors on the trainer just races and then um is meticulous about what his goals are and then also about his bikes so yeah. bikes are always spotless they're always he builds his own and so the cables are always like perfect in terms of length they're never like oh out of goodness. place they're yeah. always like vacuum sealed or whatever heat sealed or whatever that is and so he's helped me build my last two bikes. Um, but in terms of uh, his goals and all that kind of stuff, he's like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to get there. This is how it's going to go. And it, it does. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, I just 
kind of want to have fun and ride fast and I'm probably going to blow up and I have health wise <laughs> and in races and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but he's like a brother to me. And so, yeah. I mean, he's helped build bikes. He's always given me advice on racing and what to think about. And I'm like, Oh, interesting that I should think that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's been huge. He was the one that first, like I said, first showed me the lead out the yeah. first orchestrated lead out. I'm like, why would somebody do this for me? Um, Cause you're fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, since then it's, it's always been like, like, let's talk about strategy. Let's figure out what's the, the best thing to do. Yeah. Either he'll lead me out or I'll help lead him out or something like that. And so learning that teamwork and camaraderie, he's been a huge impact there. Okay. So last one now is, I would say the, uh, it's the Audi book club. Okay. <laughs> All of the Audi book club, yeah. What's funny is I, I, I'm still not sure how I got added to this group. But it's a bunch <laughs> of like old, well-established, I, I should qualify, uh, not old, but uh, <laughs> experienced. Experienced. What is experience to you? Like well-established 50 cyclist. with 20 50, age 50 with 20 years of cycling <laughs> they're gonna kill me by the way for this so <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, yeah whenever this airs i'm gonna get a bunch of texts like all right you're out <laughs> um, but um uh walt ingram bill desgerlay yeah. uh james allard and chris wall like they they uh are the funniest guys you'll ever meet most genuine most sincere yeah. most uh what would i say uh irreverent group that you're gonna meet but they're they're like loyal to a fault and it's awesome and so i met them started riding with them just every now and then and then they talked about these dawn patrol rides yeah. so i'm like you guys wake up at five to go ride four I'm, and i would <laughs> i would do that on weekends but yeah. not during the because if i did that during the week i'd be decimated for work and yeah. so one time i decided okay i'll check this out and realize it was like a whole different deal it wasn't just a ride i mean there's there's guys uh, of all skill levels yeah and they go we do the mercer island loop and so you go out um, counterclockwise from 5 30 to 6 and then at 6 you flip around and do the clockwise loop yeah and it, it separates out based on skill level and kind of stuff but at the end of each loop everybody regathers everybody gets together and we start again and there's never any like oh man i got dropped this sucks i'm never gonna do this again yeah. It's like everybody is so positive about it. Everybody loves doing it. And uh, it's just such, like, I go now because I want to see all these guys. And I want to hang out with them. And I want to ride with them. And just to hear the stories and it, just, like, the jokes and everything that goes on there. Yeah. The camaraderie is amazing. Um, and I, I think it's been going for, I'm going to get this wrong, about 15 years, 13 to 15 years. It's crazy. And at the end of every ride, there's an email recap of what happened the other day, and it's hilarious. It's it's the best. Um, so just that whole environment, um, I would say, like, the Audi book club is what introduced me to that. And then, like, weekends, we'll ride with them and stuff like that. So, But those guys have been hugely influential in terms of keeping cycling fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and just making sure, like, priorities are straight and stuff like that. So... Now, do they race at this point? They, they did. They they're did. not now. They're doing more uh, the gravel rides. Okay. They're going to do Cycle to the Sun okay. in a couple weeks. Um, and they've done, like, RPI okay. and stuff like that. So they, they're more headed towards gravel, which yeah. is less where I'm going. Um, yeah. And so... He doesn't like gravel one bit. <laughs> yeah. And so 
they always try to get me into it. I'm like, eh, no, that's I'm good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they usually do a couple big rides per year. So they did the Death Ride last year, which that I would have done. Yeah. And then Ramrod and stuff like that. But it every year I think it rotates based on their schedule. So. So you think like they one of their high points of their week then is coming and beating everyone up at Dawn Patrol and they're yeah. writing this email about oh, like yeah. oh today we kicked off Walt like well it's it's one guy that uh, Mike Waite he's the one okay. that organizes the Dawn Patrol and so he's the one that sends off the recap email every day and so yeah it's it's hilarious. I wish I could join. I just, I'd never, yeah. that would be like a 2.30 a.m. wake up for me. Right. I'd be a zombie by the time I got there and you all would drop me immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll make a midnight patrol. <laughs> um, do you feel like you are different, like particularly different, or you're just like anyone else could achieve like what you've done at this point? Um, I would say... It's a hard question. Um, right? I only ask hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm different. I think I'm more built to be a sprinter yeah. than someone that's more, like, distance-oriented. Um, so I, I think I have more fast switch, and physically I don't look like a cyclist. And every time I see a picture, I'm like, man, I'm huge. You are not huge. Well, relative, relative to cyclists. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a little thicker than most cyclists. You're a sprinter, so, for sure, but yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but I think cycling, the thing that drew, drew me to cycling, uh, or I guess there's a few things, but one of them is you can go out and you can beat yourself up and you can do it again the next day. Yeah. Whereas running, you go run and you're thrashed and you need to go, you definitely need to go easy or not run at all yeah. for the next day. And it's been a long time, so now I'm starting to forget like what the rhythm was. Um, but you just can't go hard two days in a row. Where cycling, you like destroy yourself for a week, yeah. And then you pay for it big time, and each ride is probably worse and worse. Um, but the fact that you can just go out and keep doing that, um, so that really appealed to me. And then also, I think cycling is the kind of sport where if you put in the work, the it, the the benefits pay off. And so, to me, it's like anybody who's willing to put in that work can realize results. I mean, they may not win a race, or they may not, you know, be the fastest out there, but you can definitely outwork people that are more talented than you. Whereas, I would say, like, running and stuff like that is not so much. And that's just from my experience in high school, because, you know, I was a 800-meter runner and a miler, and I was never the top guy. Like, the top guys were running in the 800 like 152 or low one yeah. 149 and I was like two minutes um and then milers were running uh we had a guy named Greg Nett who was running like 406 407 that's ridiculous yeah it's crazy maybe I'm embellishing a little but it was low we'll fours for sure 352 <laughs> <laughs> and uh Whereas my fastest was like 445. That was oh, on a, that jerk. was, but that was a mile. So I'm just saying, <laughs> my, it, was a, it was a mile relay <laughs> on a rubber track, and so you get yeah. a running start plus rubber track and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I say that because I was decent at it, very good, like, like better than average, but not definitely not like top tier. And so, in like in terms of running, I could do all the running I wanted to do. I would never be a 408 miler, okay. right? Whereas in cycling you can beat yourself up and train super hard and smart obviously make sure you're yeah. feeling all that kind of stuff and in a race you've got a shot 
because it's not just strength but it's also like you know reading the race and making the right moves at the right time and everybody can get lucky sometimes right that you can just happen to be in the right move at the right time and it happens and, and then so, you could just say when someone won like oh you were just lucky right, right. <laughs> like daniel perry <laughs> oh it's just lucky yeah right um yeah so so i'll say that that um i like cycling because it it, the work that you put into it really shows in the results. Yes. And so if you work harder than somebody more talented, you actually have a shot. Whereas in running, for me, I was like, I could put all the work in. There's there's no way I'm running that fast. So, um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know that I could say that I'm, like, unique or special. Because yeah. I think anybody can do what they really want to do. But they got to put in the work and they got to be willing to hurt. Yeah. So for me, like I, I'm a Strava junkie. I'll admit it. <laughs> That's how I started, even before racing. And yeah. it was, um, there was a, a guy who's now on the Audi team. I got him on the team named Troy Seaborn. And he used to live here on Beacon Hill. Yeah. And so we duped out this segment um, on my commute for a long time. I can't remember how. It was like a two minute uphill segment, um, and then other sprints as well. Um, but we, yeah, we duped it out for the longest time. And uh, I'm brain farting is why I brought that up. So Strava... Because you were willing to hurt. Yo, willing to hurt. Correct, correct. Because you were willing to black out for two minutes. Yeah, so (laughs) it turns out, I think we... I'm trying to remember if we have the same birthday, but we finally rode together. I'm like, you're the legendary Troy Seaborn I've seen on Strava with all these KOMs. And so we rode together, and uh, we rode to Bellevue, because he works at Expedia, and so we were both going that way. And there's 148 segments. So if you go, yeah. you know what that one is? Yeah. So if you go on the Enitai turnaround, and yeah. then you make that right instead of going on the trail towards the Mercer Slough, yeah. there's that long uphill. Oh, gosh. And so so we went on that, and then for the first time, I saw him like do a, go for a KOM in person. And I was like, I have never gone that deep ever. Yeah. Because he just went the entire time up that hill, and I was like okay this is there's a whole different level to this yeah so um so just seeing somebody do that and then be like okay i need to be willing to do that if i want to get his KOMs. yes um so i think anybody can do that but you got to be willing to like suffer and and know that it's going to hurt really really bad and then kind of push that threshold as much as you can which i think people can do that's interesting that you take that perspective that you think anyone can hurt that bad like they're willing to tolerate it it's like i always see it as if i pulled out a bucket full of ice water right now and we both stuck our hands in it like who do you think would win like who's willing to hurt yeah for that long to win and that's really how cycling like going after koms is it's just like all right We've had our hands in this ice bucket for 20 minutes. (laughs) Think I can't feel my pinky finger anymore. (laughs) Probably going to lose it. That's okay. I have another one. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that that was the definitive point for me as far as Strava and just suffering goes. Yeah. Because I was like, that's why he gets them because he's willing to go that deep. And I've never done that before. So... Yeah. And then you started to do that afterwards. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 How many KOMs do you have, you? It's like 400-something. 400 400-something? 400 yeah. Do you uh, try and add every year? Like, 
I do. Uh, I don't have like a goal or anything like that. It's just it's for fun. Yeah. And so um, I know people get super territorial about KOMs. For sure. And uh, for me, it's like if somebody beats one, I'm like, I'm just gonna work hard, go back and try and get it. Yeah. And if I can't, then you've got the KOM. That's that's the deal. Um, but for me, it's just like fun. Like, uh, and so I don't know. A lot of people get into the KOM deal and they're like. Oh, you're my friend. I'm not going to get your KOM because you're my friend. I'm like, then is it really a KOM? Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously some people where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to mess with that because I don't want to get into that. But to me, that's one of the parts of cycling I don't like is like now you add in all this drama and you add in all this like interpersonal stuff when it's just, it's not really anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a virtual crown, right? Just like Phil Guyman said. And so, um, so for me, it's just fun. Yeah. I don't ever take it personally when people take them and hope, I mean, I guess people might take them personally when I get them, yeah. but, um, but that's not my mentality at all. It's just like, this is, this is a way for you to better yourself and there's a mark associated with that. And hopefully that will not, hopefully there's always going to be somebody out there that's faster, yeah. right? And they're going to get it eventually. And so if they've got a nugget to work for yeah. that's higher than what they think is possible, then they can go for that. So... That's like my fear. If you're really brave, you go and make a segment and you name it after yourself and you call it Lois's QOM right. and you take the QOM on it and then you get really territorial about that one. Right. Yeah. So that's you, son, Jediah, and then Carolyn's home too. <laughs> so, and that's actually leads into the last question really well, is that like, uh, how do you balance being a parent with like the intensity of what you do because yeah. you ride for more than 20 hours a week usually yeah. and yeah. hard like getting up at four in the morning and yeah. well i would say that's in the summer months <laughs> it's definitely if you have a bike everywhere challenge yeah. that <laughs> tells you you need to get miles um so i'd say my average is probably closer to 15 which is still a lot yeah. relatively speaking um but it's usually early morning miles and stuff like that and so I would say the biggest thing is Carolyn because yes. she, without her, like this house would not run. Yeah. And so, um, there would be no food. There be, would be yeah. like, everything would be in shambles. Kids you would be laying on the floor yeah. like, without clothes. There'd be yeah. squirrels inside. <laughs> right, like right. the water heater wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely her, um, because I mean, she lets me go right. Right. And so, yeah. but I, I try to respect yeah. it as much as I can by going early. And so that's actually yeah. how the, Audi Book Club came into because they like to ride early as well and so yeah. there's not I've I've realized not many cyclists like to ride early they all want to ride when it's warm and sunny and all that kind of I'm like I gotta get out at five or six if I want to get a multi-hour ride in otherwise I'm gonna get ten miles at most yes because I want to be here for the kids I want to hang out with them and want to you know do stuff with them during the day versus like hey let's go for a ride at ten and I'll come back at three. Yeah. And then I'm decimated for an uh, hour, need a nap, and then day's done. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, it's... Uh, the, I'm not a morning person either. And so, cycling is kind of... I can't even say it's turned me into a morning person because it's still like a battle every time I wake up. Um, but I definitely ride early because I want to get back at a reasonable hour and then still have the day to hang out with them and do stuff with them. Um, do you ever miss... Like when you're like, you get up, you hear the alarm, it's five in the morning or four in the morning. You're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Do you ever just 
go back to sleep or you like do you fight through it I would say I I used to fight through it a lot more okay uh, and then I ran into like metabolic issues and yes. so that kind of revised my thinking towards cycling yeah uh, towards more like okay I just need to get healthy yeah um, and I think I was just burning the candle at both ends and um, now in retrospect just doing way too much high intensity stuff on top of racing and so I think I just put myself into a hole that I couldn't dig out of um, but plus, you're doing awesome now you yeah don't... it's uh, yeah. I'm super thankful yeah. because I think now my body finally coming around but it took a couple years yeah um, and I'm still a little heavier than I should be but I'm fine with it because I'm like I just want to make sure I'm fueled make sure my body feels right and and that I'm riding well and, and I, I feel like I am um, but yeah so in terms of balancing everything it's early morning rides yeah to make sure if I want to get a longer ride in and then um, yeah that's I would say that's the main thing yeah because um, I if you if you ask Carolyn which would be um, <laughs> Yeah, I will, she's right over there. Yeah. Carolyn. <laughs> I'm like, I go early so I can get back. She's like, but I want you here when I wake up. I'm like, oh. So so I've tried to I'm trying to incorporate that in more now. I think now that we don't have the bike everywhere thing, that'll yeah. be more more likely. Plus now we're in crit season, so I can sleep in on weekends because races are later and stuff like that. So um but yeah. I just think it's crazy because it's not just that like you get up early you go do these really hard rides like I go to these hard rides and I like take a two-hour nap (laughs) and then I like can't even feed myself and like I can't move and it takes me hours to do anything but you do this and like you get home you change or you go to work and then you put in a full day and yeah yeah, there's coffee involved for sure (laughs) yeah Um, but also I've always run on low sleep I'm not gonna say it's good I'm definitely not going to say it's good. Um, but, like, ever since I was a kid, I was always up late, like, doing homework or reading and stuff like that. So I, pro- I think probably since middle school, I'd probably get six hours of sleep the most. Because I always remember waking up like, man, I am in pain, and then just battle through the day. Yeah. And, uh, and it was never um, – it would never stop me. And so – because I know people that, like, if I don't have eight hours, I can't function. Whereas I'm like – I don't function great, but it's doable. And so, um, yeah, so sleep is definitely sacrificed, which I know is bad. So I've actually, I've been trying to work on that more as well. Yeah. I would say mostly unsuccessfully. (laughs) Um, but you aspire to get eight hours. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, yeah, which I actually got eight hours for the first time in a long time on Friday from Friday to Saturday. Wow. So yeah. Look at you go. Right. <laughs> Sleeping in all the time. Right, right. Like <laughs> Yeah. But usually it's it's pretty pretty slim pickings, I would say. You find yourself like sun soon where you do six hours a week on trainer road and then sleep. If I were smart, time. I would do that. I, that's why I always admire sun. Like you maximize every ounce of what you do and it's towards your goal and you're always you're hyper focused on that. Yeah. And I'm like, I just write a lot. <laughs> I kind of have goals, yeah. but I just really want to have fun, and so, yeah. I'm always super impressed with people like Son, like, to yeah. see them execute, and yeah. they just, it works. Oh, yeah. It absolutely works. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> I just, I, it takes all the joy out of it for me, and, yeah. like, I don't, I, even achieving my goal is not worth the sacrifice to get there, yeah. whereas I'd rather just, like, go chase rabbits on, you know, <laughs> Cat 6 race on the way to work <laughs> right. in the morning, or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, we... 
when I went to church growing up, or not when I went, I went to church growing up, and the community there was really into that Kiersey temperament disorder. Oh. It's like the the I well, personality identification thing, and so there's this um, you know you take you read all these questions, you find out what kind of person are you, and so I was ENFP at okay. the time, which is like extrovert, um, intuitive, intuitive, feel feeler I think feeling yeah feeling and then perceiving perceiving and so I think over time the E and N and P have stayed the same the F has become like a thinking feeling yeah so for me I would say I I, I'm somebody that goes off feeling quite a bit like so when I race I'm not looking at numbers I'm just racing by feel and uh, I'd say I'm a more emotional person and so like Carolyn says she hasn't really seen me cry at movies, but I cry at movies. And then I found that as I've gotten older, like more things cause me to like tear up. And um, but I it definitely run on emotion and feeling and stuff like that. And so in terms of uh, cycling, like I need to love it yeah. to do it. And I've realized I absolutely hate the trainer. Yeah. I cannot do it. <laughs> and so I'll do it out of necessity. But I, I'll if I'm on there, I'm just spinning. Yeah. I'm not trying to do any kind of workout because I can't like put out power and all that, um, and so yeah, so there has to be like passion involved in it, otherwise I'm toast. We should just try putting the trainer outdoors and see oh, if that works. I, I've thought about that. <laughs> and then create little KOM segments for you. Right. Like, okay, if you hit you know 300 watts for a minute here. <laughs> yeah, probably still didn't work. <laughs> yeah. It's always worth a try. Yeah. Um, so last question, kind of wrapping up is a short one. Just like how, if you do someone who's getting into cycling, like, is there any like quick advice you would give them? Like if you were your CEO talking to someone who's just like, I had a 90 minute commute. (laughs) Huh? That's a tough one. Um, because it's it's been so long since I first started writing, I totally forgot a lot of the early parts of writing, like your butt hurting. Yeah. And it was it was mostly from the bike everywhere thing, where I was chatting with people that have just started writing, and they're like, "Does your butt ever stop hurting?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." Oh yeah, I lost but, permanent feeling in it like right, four years ago. Right. That's right. But I, I still I think back to the early days. I'm like, "Holy cow, they did." really really hurt for five days and then and then it started subsiding yeah um and i just you just take that for granted now because it doesn't right because you've been doing it for so long so um i i I think the advice i would give is just make just have fun make sure you enjoy it like go for rides don't try and kill yourself to start out but go for go for rides where you know you're gonna enjoy like ride along alki or ride on a berkelman or something like that that's easy and then figure out is this something I really want to spend time doing more yeah which I would say yes um <laughs> answer is definitely yes <laughs> right but you know build it up from there find oh actually probably the biggest thing is find a group of people that you can ride with yeah it's a game changer because the solo thing works for some people and I, it works all right for me um but definitely finding a community in the group because that is has been the biggest thing in cycling for me is now you have I've met more people than I ever would have through cycling than anything else because there's no way I would have met like I would not have met any of the Dawn Patrol guys for sure yeah um, 
just we don't cross paths and stuff like that. I mean, maybe at you know some event or something like that, but for the most part, I I don't run into those guys like in everyday life. And so yeah. that and all the guys on the cycling team and racing teams and people I've met in races, like all walks of life, yeah. all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, you just get such an appreciation for just people in general because you see how different people are and how they think and how they approach and yet you have this one common bond of riding a bike which is so simple right yeah um so that's what i would say is find a group of people that you can ride with because that one that'll that'll keep you together and keep you motivated and encouraged and all that kind of stuff and then that community expands it's true the bike community is super unique too and where it's like a collective marriage where like you you really like don't want anyone dislike you and you don't want to dislike anyone else you're constantly trying to make it work so even if someone does something rude you want to like fix it yeah because it's like oh i don't want to be this person that like jim hates like that's you know I want to be friends because we're it's a very tight close-knit community yeah. that looks out for each other yeah actually and ken was the one that taught me like you wave at everybody i'm like yeah. really every like people you don't even know it's like wave at everybody yeah and so that's always been what i did and I, i've encouraged the team to do it and i'll get comments like oh we should wave i'm like yeah. yes you should yeah and so for me commuting i've i've been on the same route for years and I've, I see the same people over and over. And some people I've never had a conversation with, but we wave every single time. And so, and then sometimes I've met them. I told you this before, but yeah. I've met them because they had a flat or something like that. And now we greet each other by name on the commute. It's super fun. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I'm a big waver. I see you on my commutes. I see my old boss on my commute sometimes. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. Everyone's super close. Yeah. And... Yeah. You look forward to that morning wave every day. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then when I drive, I hate it. Oh, it's I the worst. I see them riding. I'm like, I can't wave at them. Yeah. They don't know I'm Honk riding. your horn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, thank you so much, E. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. And I think there are many people who are going to be like, oh, I'm going to go take all Yee's KOMs now. I'm going <laughs> to, I've heard this story. I feel inspired. <laughs> I think I could hurt more than him. Yeah. I think there are there are plenty of people no. that can. No, there are. No. Good luck to anyone who goes after these KOMs. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, you. Cool, thank you.